Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a food patriot to the natural world, and a person excited about community foods. Uh, joining us by phone is going to be a community food business, Hoya Sambusa. Hoya is the Somali word for mother. Sambusa is a savory fried pastry, and if you haven't had it, you need to have it. They are fantastic. It's a staple in every Somali home. Also um, with us in studio is Kara Barr. She's the marketing manager for Seward Co-op, and Heather Eddy, Merchandising Manager of Seward Cooperative, um, Community Cooperative. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're delighted to be here. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, let's start. What is Community Foods? Well, Community Foods is a labeling program that's exclusive to Seward Co-op, and it features the products that best align with our cooperative principles and values. Um, the program helps us uphold that transparency that is often lacking in the um, food system and um, really helps guide our customers to shop their values. Awesome. Yeah, it helps uh, customers find the products that, that speak to their values and support uh, local, uh, cooperative, inclusive businesses. Um. And so one example of a local cooperative business right now is Hoya Sambusa and Miriam Mir Mohammed. Uh, you are one of the uh, co-founders. Tell us about uh, what are, um, how would you describe Sambusas for someone who has not had one before? Oh, Sambusas, um they are, how do I describe it? It's a, let me just say the content of it. So it's made, uh, there's uh, the ingredients inside as beef usually, and we have also lentil, and we have uh, all the, like, we have onion, garlic, uh, we have also uh, uh, then seasonings, uh, cumin, coriander for the beef. Also we have carrots in the, in the, in the lentil, and we have also a tamarack, uh, black pepper, some salt, and usually you cook the. For example, in the case of beef, we we buy local. I think Matt can answer can can elaborate on where we buy the most of our food are local, and so we cook the beef, and we have uh, the state of Minnesota actually coming and measuring to make sure that the, we are. Um, China, the E. coli and all the things that they're afraid are not going to happen. And so we then create a foil, which is uh, the egg, egg roll, kind of wrap, and it's made of water and just flour. And uh, and and then we um, kind of dry the flour. We have a machine that makes it like tortilla, and we cut it into half. And then we cut into another half, and it looks like a triangle. And then we uh, put all the ingredients we have cooked in that triangle and fry it for seconds, and that's how you get your sambusa. And tell us about these um, growing up in Somalia. How important? What, what was the role of this food? Well, growing up in Somalia, sambusa uh, are, uh, as you described, savory in our culture. We used to have it. You know, they're very hard, uh, you know, to make. It's time-consuming. Uh, beef is always expensive to buy. So what uh, we usually used to use it during Ramadan when we pass. And so every year, once a month, uh, every Somali household makes sambusa. And it's a, a combination of protein and carbohydrates as you break the fast. Hmm. And so that's how I grew up, knowing that I will have sambusa for 30 days of if once a year. So that's that. And then during the wedding. And so if there is a wedding uh, coming up and people see their special people coming to your house. Uh, so I grew up knowing that Sambusa is a special food that is made at certain times of the year or during the times of celebrations. And the reason uh, is being is they're not easy to make. Uh, it's time consuming. And so that's how I remember it. So, Matt Glover, you are um, uh, the co-founder of Hoya Sambusa. Tell us about your role in this. Yeah, I um, came to Merriam uh, a couple of years ago, and we were talking about uh, some social impact businesses um, surrounding the Somali community. We were doing some restaurant consulting on helping restaurants, um, ethnic restaurants, understand Western service standards. 
And Miriam and her husband said, well, if you want to do a, a great business in the Somali community, you should do frozen sambusa. Um, it's a, I think we met around Ramadan, but it's a product that everyone's making. Um, and she kind of painted the picture of imagine fasting and taking care of your children and then spending all day making so, sambusa. Yeah, but unfortunately, our connection is a little bit bad, but I know I heard this story that was kind of funny. When you guys first started this, you could only make 25 in two and a half hours, and it's like, hey, this uh, economics is not going to be working. But you kept working right. at it, and now you have it. So tell yep. us about the organization and the vision. Yeah, so so then we yeah we decided that this would be a great business to empower Somali mothers through Somali food since they all have the skill of making sambusa, um, which is so delicious. And so we, we got to work uh, trying to make them frozen. Uh, and yeah, when we started, it, it was extremely cumbersome. Um, you know, we had to find the, the best kitchen space we could find was not optimized for, you know, high capacity manufacturing. And so we just kind of got to work and over time kept getting better and refining the process and finding a new piece of equipment that would make it easier. And so, yeah, we would spend about an eight hour day making 120 sambusa to now where we can, we can make over a thousand uh, in an eight hour day. A thousand and, and an eight-hour day. <laughs> okay, so, so Heather, how does this connect with community foods? Well, Hoyo Sambusa is a uh, small local business and uh, is inclusively owned, and those are values that are very core to Seward Co-op. Uh, we have an end statement that is really guiding community foods and guides our approach to everything that we do, and it speaks to having equitable equitable economic relationships and inclusive socially responsible practices. So inviting a business like Hoyo Sambusa to work with us is really core to who we are as a business and how we work with our community. Right. And I think what people are really interested in these days are hearing the stories behind the food that we eat. Do people even think about how certain items get on our shelves anymore. So our very cooperative identity really compels us to amplify these voices. And Hoyos and Busa is just a really great story that I think you can really get behind. Right. It's a wonderful story. How important is it to have the cooperative ecosystem and the stores that you, when you're trying to start a business like this, that you can have a place like Seward Co-op that, that where you can sell it? Is, is that important? Matt or yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Seward was our first co-op, um, and you know there are certain stores or chains we can't get a meeting with. It's not big enough. Uh, we can't get in the door, and so I think it was Brian Douglas, the buyer at Seward. You know, we just emailed him an, an information sheet. He, he contacted us. Um, Valley Natural. We never even contacted them. They got in touch with us because they wanted this sort of inclusive product in their on their shelves, this local uh, kind of thing. And so, and, and that's unheard of uh, outside of outside of what the co-ops are doing. And we can get into a few around options like Everett Foods or Tim and Tom's Speedy Market. You know, unfortunately, um, Matt and Miriam, we have a little bit of a bad connection. But I wanted to get back a little bit to Miriam to tell to talk. What does it mean to, to form a community, especially when we're building these bridges in, in times that are not always bridge-building times? What, what does this mean to have um, to, to be able to sell um, cherished food and, 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 and expand that in the community? Well, I think, number one, uh, food actually is the best way to relate uh, because it's, uh, it's hard when you... When you are coming, for example, in your case, in any case, when you meet new people and you don't know how to welcome them, you start with food. And so we feel mad and I when we are demoing at the, at the co-ops and the sewer co-op. We have wonderful conversations. We have people who come to us who never heard of the Somali community or even if they heard it, it's a bad you know, thing they heard. You know, they're Muslims, they're Shabab, they're all these bad things. And so they come and they see that we are human beings, but like them, and we have we 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 have special food, and they can enjoy that special food. So it's a way to really relate to people. It's a way to build relationship, and so it means a lot to us. And so we feel like we're creating dialogue uh, with people who other way otherwise do not know the Somali community. Matt, did you want to say anything about that? No, I agree. Yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly it. Most of the people that 
try to send bush nets and demos and never heard of them before. So I've never had someone like foot before. So it's been a great opportunity to, to get a positive awareness about the community out as well. Well, I just want to say that it was so nice having um, Hoyo Sambusa out at Open Streets this past summer. Um, I think it really helped to foster further connections with our Somali neighbors that live so close to our Franklin store. And I would just really echo what Miriam said, that food is a really way, great way to make those connections and to connect people who maybe wouldn't always find a way to have a dialogue. So I saw a lot of value in that. Mm. Food nourishes. Thank you. Food really nourishes yeah. us. Um, and so, um, so Marion and Matt, uh, tell people how they find your product. What do they look for? Yeah, well, we have new packaging. So um, it, our uh, website is www.hoyo.com. And we have a Find Sambusa tab on there. Um, we're in nearly all of the co-ops in Minnesota. Um, but the, the fine but Seward was he first. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, and you know this is also a wonderful product if you're catering a meal. I mean, um, so and, and you you actually sell them by the fifties too. So uh, you can check out yeah. Hoya Sambusa, and again that's H O Y O S A M B U S A. And you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We're talking about community foods, community foods at Seward Co-op. And there's an event going on on Saturday, October 13th, 11 to 5. When we return, we'll talk more about that on Food Freedom Radio, AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of the Minnesota Healthcare Show, your resource for all your healthcare and caregiver questions, inviting you to listen to our live show airing on Saturdays from noon to one. On my next show, I'll be talking with Valerie Richards, an Alzheimer's educator and family coach, about all aspects of care and support for families coping with this progressive form of dementia. Please join us this Saturday from noon to one for the Minnesota Healthcare Show. Fall St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running October 12th, 13th, and 14th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have a chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 300 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 30 locations, Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. And when you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with a free transit pass. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at the stpaulartcrawl.org. That's the stpaulartcrawl.org. I'm Athena Janakis Karras, and my family invites you to join us at It's Greek to Me on the corner of Lake and Lindale. Since purchasing this iconic restaurant two years ago, our passion has been building upon the traditional by infusing the menu and space with modern interpretations of classic Greek cuisine, sourcing fresh, authentic ingredients and recipes cultivated from our Greek heritage. Your meal will be quintessentially Greek. Find It's Greek to Me at 626 West Lake Street in Minneapolis or at It's Greek to Me MN. Welcome 
There might be some really great local products, but maybe they could have some opportunity to be more sustainable or things like that. So we really try to raise the bar and make people or producers meet two of the five attributes. Two of the five attributes. And so those attributes are? Small, local, cooperative, sustainable, and or inclusive. So they really speak to our values as a cooperative. Um, all of those attributes do. And we look for producers that are able to meet at least two of those five attributes. And uh, so, and then on uh, Saturday, October 13th from 11 to 5, there's a community foods lunch celebration. Let's talk about that. What's going on? Oh, it's going to be another opportunity for folks to come out and build those connections with people who are producing food in our community. Um, we'll have community food producers in the store. Um, we'll be able to sample tasty treats. And we'll really just want to celebrate shopping our value because we truly believe that um, every purchase can be an important everyday investment in a sustainable and equitable food system. So we really were just excited about this and, and new project. And there's some real urgency to this work. Especially with the UN report out, I mean, we have 12 years left. There's some real urgency about how we can make choices that will create clean water for future generations, that will create an equitable world. So how do we make those choices? And this with this community labeling is to help people when they act as consumers, or we'll just call them people buying stuff, <laughs> how, they can, how they can honor their, their um, values. Right. Absolutely. We all have to shop. We all have to buy food in order to feed ourselves and feed our families. And we want to make it easy for people to find those products that speak to the values that um, people believe in. We want to help people support a sustainable, inclusive economic future for all of us. Right. Because that would be more fun. <laughs> okay, so what's going on on Saturday? You have two stores. And so what will, what will be happening Saturday, October 13th? Um, we'll have a few producers in each of the stores. Um, we're going to have, from 11 to 2, we'll have Main Street Chicken, Autumn Harvest with their wild rice, um, Fierce Ferments will be sampling their fire tonic, um, we'll have a few of our staff, um, sitting at a community foods table, so if people want to learn more about the program or how they can find it at the shelf level or upcoming events that we'll have around sampling and things like that. Um, so it's going to be a really fun day um, getting to meet local producers and hearing more about the program. And we've had Main Street Project on a couple different times, and so what they're doing is they have rows of hazelnuts, and the chickens are under the hazelnuts. So the hazelnuts provide natural cover for the chickens. The chickens fertilize the hazelnuts. And also that type of regenerative agriculture keeps carbon in the soil, which is a, a, a leading way that we can start um, turning around this climate chaos and calming it down and creating um, you know, a nice climate for future generations. And so, and then uh, the other store, the Friendship Stores, they will also, what is their schedule like? Uh, they're a little bit different. Um, they'll have Kickapoo Coffee, Cosmic Cacao Chocolate, a new vendor that we're really excited about, Planet Princess. Um, they sell bread. Um, and then, of course, old favorites, Punk Rock Labs. Um, they have the fermented cashew cheese. Oh, the vegan, vegan cheese is fantastic. Yeah, that's if you've never really tried cool. it, that's a good one. Um, and again, we'll have more staff talking about community foods all day. And could people go to both so they can get food samples at the uh, Franklin store and then go to the Friendship store for food samples? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's, and that's there's cool. raffles at both stores, so in theory you could probably even enter two raffles. We've got gift baskets for people who are interested in trying a sampler of community food, so that's one way to try a whole bunch of different uh, producers that you may not be familiar with yet. 
Taste the difference in community foods. Taste the difference. Okay, so let's. Okay, so one of the things that this does is it focuses on real stories of real people, and it's all designed to support the co-op's ends. That this, there, we start with the end in mind. So let's talk. What does it mean to have an end statement? Well, it's effectively our mission statement. A lot of other companies have a mission statement, so we have an end statement. And it's really just how we make all of our decisions. We take into account three subpoints: um, equitable economic relationships, environmental impacts, and inclusive socially responsible practices. So we really look at all the decisions we make through that lens on a larger scale. So let's really dig deep in what it means to have equitable economic relationships because the co-op movement is is really about power. Mm -hmm. It's about the power to have, and, and, and I think we would agree that, uh, do we have an equitable society right now? Certainly not. The, 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 the wealth is all going to the top and um, is increasingly being removed from the bottom of the economic ladder. And cooperatives are really about um, everybody has a seat at the table. Everybody can has a part to play in the cooperative community, and everybody benefits by being a participant in the cooperative community. Uh, that's a very different economic model than the operative one in our country right now, and I think it's incredibly powerful to have a living, vital cooperative such as Seward Community Co-op. We're not the only one, but we're a very vital part of what it means to be a cooperative and a living model of a different economic way of working together to sustain a healthy community. That's, that's a key part of our end statement is that we want to sustain a healthy community. We want to succeed as a business, but we do that by sustaining our community. And that's that's a different, that's a paradigm shift. It is a big paradigm shift, living economics. Right. We really want to show that it's possible to be a sustainable business and be socially responsible. Right, because we were talking earlier, it's almost like there's been so much consolidation in the food system. And, and again, the food system is responsible for nitrates in the water, soil depletion, uh, a key driver of climate change. And it's almost been a race to the bottom um, among these big players with the food system. And it's scary to think of, you know, especially with that UN report that came out this last week. I mean, we don't have much time left to sort of wake up to create something better that's lasting and the co-ops have a lot of the co-ops have been a shining light in 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 this process co-ops have led the way for a long time um, anybody who's been a member of a co-op knows that that we have created transparency in the food supply chain for decades now and you're right the bar keeps getting higher the more we understand our predicament as a human race the more we realize that the bar is is raising and so seward co-op is working hard to raise our practices to meet the needs that are real and present for people right now and it's easy to be paralyzed by um, difficult news like the news about climate change can can paralyze people and make people feel helpless. And we're not helpless, especially when we operate as a community working together. We can make things better. And by selecting products that speak to the ends that we have as an organization, we can help move the needle in the right direction. Moving the needle in the right direction. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. AM 950 listeners, we have a home cleaning company with an offer just for you. They're Blue Sky Services. Blue Sky Services will wash your windows, siding, gutters, clean those black streaks off your roof, and much more. Window washing starts at $100. Siding cleaning starts at $199. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484 to ask for the AM 950 special. If you hear this, you have an exclusive house cleaning offer for AM 950 listeners. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484. That's 651-447-4484. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make 
the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of EatLocalMinnesota.com. More than just a website, EatLocalMinnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. The award-winning Hazel's Northeast combines the feel of a small-town diner with the vibrant nature of its Northeast Minneapolis neighborhood. Whether it's breakfast, lunch, weekend brunch, or dinner, their classically inspired and creatively prepared American comfort food is always made from scratch. Hazel's Northeast at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. EatLocalMinnesota.com The dedicated staff at Nightingale Restaurant take pride in presenting a thoughtful and delicious approach to food and drink, whether you're visiting for dinner, happy hour, or brunch. Their focus on made-from-scratch meals using sustainable and local ingredients is likely to make Nightingale your go-to spot for inspired food and drinks. Nightingale, Lindell and 26th in Minneapolis. I'm Connie Bjork co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind-body-spirit-emotion perspective. Join us next Saturday for a double infusion of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. At 10, you'll get a glimpse of who we are and what our show is all about. At 11, we'll give you new perspectives on stress and how it affects you. Let us help you infuse vitality into your life. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Friday, partly sunny with a high near 45. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 51. And Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 39. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com restaurant of the week is Hazel's Northeast. They have classically inspired, creatively prepared comfort food. Scratch dishes rooted in over 50 years of family tradition that are healthy, hearty, and beautifully served. Located at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis, find out more at EatLocalMinnesota.com. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we're talking about community foods with Seward Co-op. Um, and I've got in my hand a the Articles of Incorporation and Bylaws from 1916 from a small co-op in, in Wisconsin. And they said that there was going to be no more than 50 shares should be sold to any one person, and no one person should have more than one vote. One person, one vote. And it's this this idea of cooperative behavior is just deeply rooted in equity and and seeing um, each other as, as actually sacred beings. It's not just a reductionist thinking, but it's it, it gets down to um, human living economics. Right. And I think it's really important to point out as well that um, people have been coming together to meet a common need for a long time, way before any of the cooperative principles or values were established. So ever since anyone needed a common thing, people have been cooperating. So, yeah, that is an important thing to remember. Um, Sewer Co-op has 19,000 households. Um, so I'm not sure about the real reality of having only 50 shares. I wonder what. Well, the, yeah, there was a long yeah. time. They, right. They raised ten thousand dollars in 1916. Wow, that's, wow. that's, that's impressive. Small, it is yeah. impressive. The yeah. power of coming together. It's, it is indeed. Power, that's crazy. Yeah. And you're talking about, you know, one person, one vote is really timely since we're in the middle of our election for our board of directors and they really guide our cooperative. And so people who are members or owners of Seward Co-op have the uh, uh, the benefit of being able to elect a board of directors to carry the the importance of our work forward in a positive direction. So I really encourage all Seward Co-op owners to to vote in our board of directors election. And if you're not a member of Seward Co-op, please consider joining. And so what does it take to be a member? 
Um, it takes one-time investment of $75, and that can be paid in full installments or um, in a subsidized version with a needs-based ownership. And and so it's actually owned by the community that gets the food, and that's the big distinction. Right. Right. So a conventional uh, corporation is owned by shareholders who um, collect the profit of the organization. A cooperative is owned by the people who use the the cooperative, who, who benefit by the services offered. And if there is profit to be shared, it's shared on the basis of how much any individual uses the cooperative. So it's a very different model of who profits and what that distribution of profit looks like. And of course, you don't have to be a member. Everyone's welcome. Everybody's oh, yeah. welcome. We have it on every single one of our businesses, and it's a guiding principle that we take very much to heart. It's not explicitly called out in our ends, but uh, we who work at the Co-op, think about it all the time. How, how can we extend that welcome to our entire community? And um, so I'm keeping on this um, economic equity, I went to the first annual co-op fest, which was last week, um, and LaDonna Redman was the host of that. Um, um, and it was, or, or the MC of it, um, it was a really uplifting event. And people were coming together and they're trying to form these small co-ops, like child care co-ops, um, credit union co-ops, of course. Someone was working on a hair care co-op, housing co-ops. And they, were, they gave a... a a 2018 State of the Minneapolis Co-ops report from the City of Minneapolis, and there's been a fun increase. I mean, for decades, there were fewer than 10 uh, co-ops formed every year, and in from the year 2010 to 2018, there were well over 30 co-ops formed. So this is a movement that has a lot of potential to create a much, to create living economics. Absolutely. And one of the benefits is, you know, when you have a shareholder model, those profits generated by a community are often shipped somewhere else outside of your community. If it's a cooperative, those benefits are kept within the community and can can keep circulating within the community, and they make us all stronger. All strong. And the person was talking about child care. I mean, it's terrible turnover, but if the child good workers were owning the collaborative, that's so much better for the children because that consistency. So, I mean, it has these very complex and um, sort of uh, late earlier we were talking about there's almost been like a race to the bottom, but it's like it's, instead it's a race to the top. Right. Right. And sewer co-op's long-term vision really um, envisions a commonwealth where there's many cooperatives working together in a cooperative community where sewer co-op is just one business. Right, and you mentioned it, it's uh, the phrase wealth that sticks, because if I'm buying the samosa, so, sabusas and, um, you know, we're, we're exchanging together, we create community with wealth that sticks, so the wealth is not extracted and sent elsewhere, which is what's occurred with a lot of our other economic systems. Right. Right. We make Minneapolis, we make the Twin Cities a stronger, more vibrant economic community and dynamic place to live as we keep our resources on site in our community, working toward the values that we all share. Right. And uh, also the food tastes good. The food is fantastic. I think food that's, uh, well, food from living soil tastes better than food from zombie soil. There is no comparison. I, I'm biased. I'm a lifelong co-op member and shopper, but there is no comparison. Right. No, and if, if you, when you are used to this food, and all of a sudden you're at a place that's serving industrial food, and you're like, ooh, <laughs> this doesn't feel good. It might look good, but it doesn't necessarily taste good. Right. And they've done studies where the you know nutrients are a really complex, interdynamic um, relationship, and food that's grown in healthy soil is more nutritious in general across the board. More micronutrients that you might the, be the missing. The micronutrients. The last two shows have been on Nobel Conference 54, which um, was about the living soil. And we had David Montgomery on and Dr. Rattel, Rattel, uh, Rattan Lal. Um, I encourage people to listen to those shows because our health is dependent on the health of the soil. And this, our story with the soil is very tragic. It is a great American tragedy what has happened to the soils over the last 150 years in this country. And... Uh, the good news is that 
with programs like Community Foods, where we can work directly with producers, we're we're creating a marketplace for people who are restoring soil health. They're not extracting the value out of that soil. They're putting value back into the soil. And I think that is really important to call out and to let people know that the solution comes in many forms and buying good, healthy food from producers who are growing soil health is one way to support the solution. Exactly. And in partnership with co-ops, um, we can get their products on the shelf and funnel money back into the, their businesses so that they can grow and expand their operation to do more good with the soil, for example. Right. And with climate change, also there's been, um, like, there's stories of farmers that were faced with epic uh, flooding years ago. And so the co-op community was able to rally around those farmers. So especially in the age of climate chaos and climate change, forming these community connections is critical. It is really critical. And, you know, for those smaller farmers who grow organically, grow sustainably, there are fewer economic uh, supports that they can rely on. Larger farmers have um, a federal support network that the smaller farmers are uh, left out of. And so cooperatives are a key part of how we can help our local farmers stay in business. Farming is a very, very difficult job. And, um, our farmers need support to be able to stay in business and do the good work of building our soil and feeding our communities good, healthy food. Okay, so um, this week the the United Nations Intergover Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, so the report um, dubbed the 1.5 Degrees Report, said that we need to um, reduce carbon our carbon emissions by 45%. Um, so we, we really... And, and then with all the hurricanes that have hit, I mean, there really is this urgency to this. And how do we wake up? And we, and, and part of it is, um, I think there's power dynamics that are so critical here too. And so by building out the community and supporting independent farms and buying from local farms and buying from the co-ops, we're actually um, uh, emerging a new type of power that can be that can face these consequences and make better choices for future generations. United communities are unstoppable. I think that's the bottom line. So as we work together as a community, our power to create the change that we see as being an urgent need is is just really powerful. And it's also overwhelming, which is one reason why we've launched this community foods program to help people find easy ways. We're inundated by information every day. There's, we live in the in information era, and there's so much information that we cannot possibly filter through. And we hear of all the tragedies of the hurricanes and people losing houses, losing lives. It's easy to be overwhelmed, and we want to create simple pathways for people to connect with a more prosperous economic future where they have agency to drive positive change. And Community Foods does that by making it easy to select those products that support the values that Seward Co-op stands behind. And Community Foods goes beyond just a traditional marketing campaign. It's built around the structure of our end statement. Um, it speaks to our highest values, and it really helps us foster and maintain those very direct relationships we have with our producers. They invite us to their farms. They invite us to their production facilities. We see their operation. It's not like this um, person behind the curtain pulling levers and doing things that are not out in the open. The way we have our buying structure set up is that we have those direct relationships with producers so we can see exactly what they're doing and stay up to date on their practices. So the three prongs of your end statement are? Equitable economic relationships, positive environmental impacts, and inclusive socially responsible practices all come together to uh, sustain a healthy community. So on inclusive socially responsible practices, um, in 2017, 35% um, of your staff identified as people of color, and forming that inclusiveness is a key value and mission and work. And it runs deep in the co-op. It doesn't end with our staff. It is, um, we're filtering um, our 
our products, our supply vendors, our third-party vendors who come in and fix the store or things like that. We're really trying to diversify our whole supply chain with our staff, vendors, and um, people who help out the co-op. You know, Minneapolis is a diverse city, and we really try to uh, make sure that everyone feels welcome and included by mirroring the diversity around us. We are part of our community, and if we don't look like our community, then we don't, we're not an effective partner with our community. The way people feel welcome is if they see people who they can identify with in their community business, and we've worked very hard and will continue to keep working harder, especially with community foods, to welcome more people of diverse identity into the co-op community. And you said that United Communities are unstoppable, and so we really need that um, diversity. We need all people. We are so much smarter when we can draw on the wisdom of multiple cultural lineages. Yeah, and, and how we feel that with each other. Um, so you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. In studio with us is Kara Barr. She's the marketing manager. And Heather Eddy, she's the merchandising manager at Seward Co-op. And early in the program, we had Miriam Mohammed and Matt Glover with Hoya Sambusa. Food Freedom Radio, AM 950. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trust Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. Don't let me down. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. In studio with us is Kara Barr and Heather Eddy uh, with Seward Co-op, and we're talking about community foods. And now, so to be... Um, what are the criteria now for the community foods to get labeled as a community foods producer? What, what's the criteria? 
um, producers must meet two of the five criteria, uh, which include small-scale producer, local, cooperatively run, inclusive, and or sustainable. Okay, but only two, so they don't have to hit all five of them. They do not have to hit all five, <laughs> although I imagine we will have some suppliers that hit all five. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but the, the producers get to decide for themselves how they fit into these categories? No, Seward Co-op uh, vets producers, so we, t we, we give them the opportunity to identify what practices they use and tell us who, who owns and operates their businesses, and then we're going to assess the information they share with us to see what criteria they may fit. This is a really interesting approach. I actually absolutely love it. Because let's, let's go deep into what's considered sustainable. So the criteria on uh, sustainable uh, produce. Um, so some of the criteria are rotate crops and embrace diversity, plant cover crops, um, reduce traditional plowing, um, um, applied integrated press management, uh, integrate crops and livestock, agroforestry, um, regenerative systems and landscapes, incorporating renewable energies um, into operations, reduce waste uh, from packaging or from producing, operating facilities with energy efficiencies, operating with um, organic certifications, and innovate and leave. So how did these criteria, how did you settle on these criteria? Uh, we actually took them from a government organization that defined what does sustainability look like. We're not out to reinvent the wheel. We're here to connect consumers with those innovative practices that farmers are using and that usually we as consumers have no ability to see what our farmers are doing. So we just use criteria that already exist and we're going to allow our farmers to tell, that, tell their story. What do they do? Be, and we wanted prompts for them to be able to identify because they may be doing several things on this list, but they may not think of it in that same kind of way. And so if we give them the prompt of like, hey, do you rotate crops and embrace diversity on your farm? That may be the prompt that they need to say, oh, yeah, we do that. That's that's good farming. It may be as simple as that's what good farming looks like to them. They may not even be conscious that it's a sustainable practice. Right. So we're looking for producers who are stewards of the land and the environment. And we prioritize the producers who implement the agriculture production and manufacturing practices, which build and maintain the healthy soil so that we can have a sustainable food system. We can have nutritious food that tastes good and is grown here. Um, so we just want to really minimize the environmental impacts. And this is the best way we see um, producers being able to do that. Yeah, and um, because it's it's not just uh, it's not, and I I love organic and organic holds a really great meaning. But in in some ways, in some places, like so there's been these huge co-operations that most of us would not see aligned with what we thought were the values, but they still carry this word. So it's actually getting into the the individual story. Um, and some of this is so complex. I'm going to go back to Nobel Conference 54 because Frank um, Ucotter, he's an environmental historian, and he says life is complex. You know, if there's you hold up more soil in a handful of soils, there are, there are organisms in the human body. It is complex, and yet we want it. You want to also simplify some mm -hmm. of that complexity so people can make decisions that reflect their values. Absolutely. So there's so much complexity and just the, the list of criteria for sustainability that we are using. There is a lot of complexity baked into being an excellent farmer. You know, being a farmer is a lifelong profession. It's not something you can just casually walk into. You really have to know about your crops and your soil and your animals. Um, we aim to really streamline that information for customers because not everybody can be expert in everything. And we still have values, and we want to make it easy for people to shop those values. Right. And um, we believe that organic does have value. Um, there are some barriers to the organic certification that we encounter with a lot of our different producers. Um, at any given point in our produce department, you'll see um, a few different um, growing practices, there can be sustainable practices, there can be farms that are transitioning to organic, but there, it's important to know that organic is 
important and has meaning, but also there's some barriers to it. And sometimes in our situation, maybe local is just as good as organic because we have the relationships with the farmers to actually see their practices. And maybe they're going beyond organic. Maybe they're practicing biodynamic practices or something like that. Um, so it's not the end-all, be-all. However, it still has value. It still has value. It is important. <laughs> Another one of your values is small uh, products directly from producers. Well, that enables us to hear the story of what they actually do. Um, relationships are really critical. Relationships drive a cooperative at its root. It's about a relationship in a community, right? So having a relationship with a producer allows us to have a deeper understanding of the practices that that particular uh, person or business uh, works with. Great. We have just a few more minutes. Tell us what's going on on the Saturday, October 13th launch day for Community Foods. Well, we have some really exciting raffles that folks can enter. Uh, we'll be giving away three Community Foods prize baskets at each store. So stop by and sample all the tasty treats that we'll have from a few of our favorite vendors. Uh, just to mention a few, Main Street Chicken, Autumn Harvest Wild Rice, Fierce Ferments Fire Tonic, um, a new vendor we're really excited about, Planet Prin Princess Bread, um, and an old favorite, Punk Rock Labs cashew cheese. Ooh. And we've already established you can go to both of them. Go Absolutely. Okay. Describe the store location. Locations. Uh, we have our Franklin store on East Franklin Avenue. And then we have our friendship store on 317 E38, East 38th Street. Just across from Sabathany Center. Right. And we'll be there from 11 to 5. And I've got to do a shuttle for your takeout, and then I also got to get this uh, sewer creamier cafe in here as well. The cafe is wonderful. If you haven't been, I encourage you to try it. It's a, it's a great value and really delicious food. So let's, let's, let's connect this again to the spirit of the cooperative movement and the community local foods. I think it's kind of like just a place to just exhale a little bit, especially in stressed times, right? Mm -hmm. Just exhale and um, allow ourselves to eat the most nutritious food we can in the moment. Absolutely. You know, Seward Co-op was founded by people who cared about the supply chain. They wanted to know where their food was coming from. And that need hasn't changed in the 46 years that we've been in business. People still want to know where their food is coming from. And Community Foods is a, is a new mechanism to tell an old story so that you can know who is growing your food. Any other comments? So again, so um, uh, two Seward locations uh, today, Saturday, October 13th, um, from 11 to 5. There's extra free uh, food sampling at both the Franklin stores and the Friendship store. You can go to both. You can sample foods from both. <laughs> You've been listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Yeah.